Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. On the line with me today, I have Miss Debbie Moseman. She is with a group that calls themselves the Eight Broads in the Kitchen, and I just had to get her on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us, Debbie. Oh, you're welcome. So excited to be here. Well, for my listeners out there, I just have to tell y'all, I got invited to go run by a food bloggers conference, and I bumped into these ladies, and I, I was immediately intrigued when they said, oh, we're eight broads in the kitchen, and we're innkeepers, and we run bed and breakfast. And I thought, oh, my gosh, they're so adorable. I got to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> so, Debbie, I, I mean— there's eight of y'all. How does how does this happen? We were all innkeepers, and back in the day when blogging came to be about, they were we were at conference, and they kept telling us all that we needed to blog. And we looked at each other and said, "Boy, we don't have time for one more thing in our day. Maybe if we hooked up with some other some other innkeepers, and we found a couple of friends and invited some people we didn't even know um, from across the country. We wanted to get." see the shining sea kind of thing. So we went from Lenox, Massachusetts, out to Seattle, Washington. And um, that's how the eight of us um, started and came together. So whenever you say you're at a conference, is that like really vacation for innkeepers? Or were you, uh, you ha- there's like lots of things that you have to, to focus on and all of y'all just stand around and go, oh my gosh, one more thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like that. There's a lot of sessions, a lot of uh, experts from across the industry, the outside people that can help us with um, things, people coming in to talk about the newest trends and in marketing and everything else. It's not so much a vacation, but it is a really good networking time. Um, often we'll add a day on at the beginning or the end to, to kind of wind down and, and enjoy wherever we happen to be. So you ladies make sure y'all can all be at a conference together so you can go from coast to coast and see each other? Well, we di- we didn't. It kind of happened by accident that we all were there. That's how we learned to know each other. We, we kind of showed up to the National, the National Innkeeping Conference. Um, the uh, Association for um, AIHP, Association for Industry Hospitality Professionals, is the one that we attend. And so we all belong. So that it kind of was not planned, but that's how we all started. Now, today, we plan a meeting for the, the broads that are, is not necessarily in conjunction uh, with the conference. We, we meet once a year to kind of plan out what our strategies and, and talk food. Well, you know, I love to talk food, and that's what this show is about. And I, I have to tell you, whenever I, when I met you, I was like, oh, my God, innkeepers, I got to talk to her. Because I, I guess it was probably about 10 years ago, my aunt sent me a text that said, do you want to buy an inn? And she knew that my answer was going to be yes. And uh, then the next text said, don't tell your husband I talked to you first because <laughs> she knew what I was going to say. And, you know, I used to tell my husband all the time, oh, baby, when we retire, we're going to have a bed and breakfast it is so much work. Tell me what you do every day. I think people need to to know this because they don't want to make that that crazy decision that they it was going to be a relaxing <laughs> business opportunity. 
No, it's just like any other self-employed kind of a thing. A business is a business, and it um, starts very early in the morning and ends very late at night, um, and there's a lot in between. An innkeeper wears all kinds of hats. I spend days accounting and bookkeeping. I spend days marketing. I spend days in the kitchen um, coming up with new stuff for breakfast. And then there's, then there's you know, actually taking care of the guests and making sure that their stay is absolutely wonderful. But I think any any industry, it, it, it's just like uh, like almost any other industry, people think it looks easy from the outside, but it actually takes a fair amount of commitment, a real love for it, and um, a lot of hard work. Now, do you find that because uh, y'all are eight broads in the kitchen and you write cookbooks and y'all focus on your food so much, do you find that everyone shows up for breakfast in the morning? Oh, everybody here at Mayan shows up for breakfast in the morning. It is the rare person that doesn't. We do afternoon afternoon tea um, as well, so they're they're often here for sweet stuff in the afternoon. Um, they're always looking to see what we're baking new. We try to keep, for our regulars. We try to keep a little bit of an eye on that so that we're we're serving different things when they come back to visit. But yeah, it's it's a lot about the food. And so whenever you're planning food for guests that are coming to the inn, are you, what's going through your mind? How are you deciding on these new recipes or the menus for your week? I usually start with the season, like right now we're in fall up here in the Northeast. So um, a typical breakfast could be a sausage hash with butternut squash and all the root vegetables and the beautiful um, produce that comes at the end of the year. Um, we, we, um, do a lot of farm to table so we have our eggs fresh from the farm and we have um and then for our baked goods we'll do um we'll do maybe some pumpkin some pumpkin things or apple we have an orchard right next door he supplies us with apples and um uh, so we uh, my my menus are based a lot on what time of year it is when we go to the suite we have an upside down cranberry french toast that's Catherine's recipe that is absolutely fabulous and um so it's it's very dependent on what's fresh and local. Now, whenever you're you're doing that, are there certain things that you just go, oh my gosh, I love this and I want it all the time, or do you have to, you know, and you have to make yourself change the menu? Or are there things that you uh, you have every week because your your customers love it? We change it up, even though we fall in love with certain <laughs> things like that. That that root vegetable sausage hash is just a huge hit, and it's going to be really hard for me to take that off the menu. But we probably will at some time, and then we go in cycles. So I'm I'm finding right now we're we're doing things that we did at the very beginning. I've been in keeping for almost 33 years, and um, I'm finding like some of my very early recipes are are coming back out again because I miss them. So what are some of those recipes that are coming back out? Uh, we did something that we called um, an eggs uh, sausage souffle. It's really a sausage and mushroom bread pudding that is uh, is far and away my children's very favorite breakfast item that I ever make. And it's done with Emmentaler and Gruyere cheeses and fresh mushrooms and, it's, um, and a local sausage. It's absolutely delicious. That one's coming back on the menu. Although we try not to do, we try to do our meat on the side, but I'm pretty careful about making sure that if we have vegetarian guests, that that's not one of my choices um, yeah. at that particular time. But we're, granola pancakes is one of my early ones um, that, that 
go really well with our lemon brandied apples, and that, that one's coming back on the menu again. Um, we have a, just a lot of the, that. Those are two that come right to mind. Now, do you have a rule when it comes to breakfast and brunch of how much savory and how much sweet, or should you have an all-sweet breakfast one day and an all-savory the next? We um, used to do the all-sweet, all-savory. We've kind of evolved into always making sure that there's savory options um, as, along with this, when we have a sweet breakfast, that there's a sav- like, savory option to go with it. We do eggs anyway, any day of the week. So if there's someone that you know doesn't want to try the uh, the eggs Florentine with leek and spinach, they can have a egg over easy um, or an omelet. But the um, I always there's always a savory option. There's too many dietary things going on that it's just not a good thing to just do sweet. At least that's what I've come to decide. You know, come to that's what we do. I, I kind of agree. You know, I'm a savory breakfast girl, so I totally get it. My sweet breakfast is usually a breakfast on the run, like a muffin or something that I'm going to take with me. But as I'm listening to you talk and I'm I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, wait, she does eggs to order sometimes. And, you know, there are people on vacation and they're ready to eat all this delicious food. And I stop and I think... The most stressful part of my day sometimes is when I have to figure out what I'm going to feed my husband for dinner. And just the thought of knowing that, I mean, how many people are in your breakfast room at one time? Um, anywhere from 14 to 16 is the max. I have, we have seven rooms. Wow. So, um, I don't get much past 16 depending on, um, you know, if there's extra people around. So it's not that terrible, but you get in, it's just... It, you get into a routine uh, of how you go about your morning. We do a lot of things that we can prep, at least halfway prep the night before. Um, so whoever's doing check-in or is in the afternoon is getting um, some things ready to, to go for the morning, whether it be mixing the dry ingredients that whoever comes in in the morning and do, is doing breakfast only has to add, you know, the wet wet ingredients, and we have – we have a special way of doing our muffins with it. We do the we freeze the batter in in the muffin papers, so they just come out and bake in the morning. Um, and it's uh, so I think it's just like any other business. You organize yourself so that it is not a stress um, at any particular point. That you kind of know what you're you're facing when you get to the kitchen. And I I feel like that's inspiring for the home cook because, you know, so many times, you know, maybe like this weekend if there's a football game and it's coming on at noon and we want to do a brunch and there's 14 people coming, it's real easy as a home cook to get overwhelmed. And I feel like there are some really cool tricks and tools of the trade that you ladies have that can, can make it easier for people to just execute these recipes at home. Absolutely. And the, the big thing is, is that be organized, know exactly what you're going to do, exact, to, you know, a rough good guess of how many people you're going to be feeding. And then you get everything ready ahead that you possibly can, that you're really only baking things and finishing off at the, at the last minute. I've always said I can, if I'm in the, if I'm in the kitchen at 730, I can have breakfast on the table for, by, by 830 without a problem. I love that. And I, I really agree that, you know, having everything organized and prepped and ready to go, because there's so many times like 
you go, oh my gosh, I don't have any eggs and now I need to run to the grocery because I waited till the last minute and I'm halfway through making cake batter. So uh, having that a day ahead and, and getting everything ready, it makes perfect sense. Do you find that some foods actually get better if they sit overnight? Yeah, I have a buttermilk um, a buttermilk roll recipe that you have to make the day before, and all you do with it the morning of is bake. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a it's a yeast roll, so it needs that time to to kind of proof itself overnight and get the beautiful texture that you want in the rolls. Um, the egg sausage souffle, the that one is has to be done the day before because it needs to kind of meld its flavors. So you can, I mean, even for things like Thanksgiving dinner, I map it all out on paper and know what I'm doing exactly two days ahead, one day ahead, so that when we, when you get to the day when everything's happening, you're not stressed. You can actually smile when people walk through the door. And that's what we should do. I feel like so many times we're entertaining and we're not actually talking to our guests because we're so stressed out trying to make everything perfect. Exactly. I mean, you can even do cocktails ahead of time that they're sitting in the fridge that all you're doing is pouring them over ice. Well, I'm sitting here. I kind of want to change directions because I'm sitting here flipping through the pages of your books and they're super. I mean, they sound delicious. Everything sounds delicious. I want to eat it all. Um, But it all seems very approachable. So talk about how you ladies decided what recipes you were going to even put in your cookbook. And I'm, you know, the one that I got first was the breakfast and brunch recipes. And I think uh, with brunch being invented here in New Orleans, it uh, certainly is something that we can all embrace. Yeah, I, I, the, we started with the breakfast and brunch one because that's what we did every day. So when we, um, when we collected the recipes, it was our favorites. Um, everybody came up, you know, handed in their 20, 30 favorite recipes, and then we went through and culled the ones that were duplicates and, um, and that kind of a thing. But that's where, the, that's where they came from. My granola pancakes are in there, for instance. Catherine's upside-down cranberry French toast is in there. The eggs, um, the eggs Florentine's in there. The, the, all of the stuff that, is, that our guests rave about and we do day in and day out. Um, made it into that first cookbook. So I have to ask, did with eight ladies, I mean, I have I have four sisters, so uh, as much as I love them, we don't always agree on everything. And I'm thinking to myself, here in South Louisiana, everybody's got the best recipe for whatever. So whenever you have eight ladies who are accomplished cooks, great innkeepers, have delicious recipes, and then you have duplicate recipes, how do y'all figure out either to combine them or to just, you know, who reigns supreme? <laughs> well, we had a cookbook committee, number one, so that was just was not all eight of us. I think it was three or four of us, half of us. And then when we had duplicate recipes, we looked at them for, um, for practicality, for approachability, and then we let we, – we, sometimes the, the ladies would talk with each other about which one they wanted to use and – um, in the end, the editor, uh, we, when we sent it to the, you know, to the publisher, the editor, um, usually we had it down to, the, to one recipe. But even then, they called some of the recipes that, out of there. Not everything that we submitted made it into the, cook, the end product. So, so it was, you know, all these eight ladies were good friends, really good friends, and we're all adults, and not, not everybody 
be in there. I, and I, it just kind of makes me giggle because, you know, if my sister said her gumbo recipe was was good, I would be like, mine's better. But uh, it's kind of cool that you can have so many different versions of things that are all delicious. Well, it is. It's really, I mean, there's no end-all, be-all in, you know, the. I think we use the blueberry pancake recipe, for for example. We all had blueberry pancake recipes. And it's, um, you know, they were all slightly different, and they were all good. So you can't go wrong by picking one of them. And everybody just realized that not every recipe they submitted was going to end up in the book. Well, so how long did it take you all to write the first book? I'm going to say we probably had six to eight months or so, maybe. It's, uh, the whole process took about a year and a half, but our we we needed to do a photo shoot and get some – and. Um, add some pictures. We had some that were there, but it's um, a little more work than, than I think even we anticipated. <laughs> Six to eight months, maybe. And so then, we had it handed off to the editor. And then when you started your desserts book, did uh, were you like, oh, we got this? No. Cause the, <laughs> uh, not necessarily. The dessert book, there was a dessert chapter for the breakfast and brunches um, for the first one. And that we didn't have room for it didn't we um, so we cut that whole chapter so we had the start to the dessert to the dessert book but because we um, now we do desserts in the afternoon here but not everybody does um, and so we a lot of these we were culled from our um, families family recipes other recipes that we gathered across the world um, it's uh, like there's I, there's a whole a whole section in there of um, for, called foreign accents of recipes from abroad. Uh, Danielle's Swiss. My husband is Swiss. Ellen spent many years in Switzerland. Um, a lot of over half of us have some kind of connection to Europe, so there's a lot of European influence in some of them as well. I love that, and I love um, the pictures are gorgeous, and uh, they certainly make you hungry. But uh, you know, I just. I love the idea that, one, um, eight ladies are getting together and writing these books, that you're blogging and people can get recipes on a regular basis, and that I feel like they're perfect recipes because if you're using them in your inn, every, you know they're tested. Yeah, they're well-tested. Plus, we said the dessert one, um, that we, we had testers. We Each of us found testers that actually made the recipes to make sure that they're going to work for the general public. So we had them tested in it in addition to what we do here at the inn. So how many things did you have to eat outside of what you would normally eat when you're writing this? Oh my goodness. It was it was kind of fun. I mean, I have a I have a I have an audience to do it for, so it was just a matter of getting out of my routine and doing some of these um these other things, other extra things too. To um, test here at the end, but yeah, we we had to eat. My family was super happy to eat dessert. They like dessert. So, are y'all working on another book? Not right now. No, I think we're going to take take a little break here. I think we're good with these two. It, um, it it for right now, we can focus a little bit more on the blog, maybe. I love it. Well, so we haven't really named all of the eight broads in the kitchen. So, I wanted you to tell our listeners who they are. And what y'all's website is so that they can, you know, follow your blog. Yeah. 
Um, eightbroads.com is the website, and our bios are all there. You can see us all in person. Uh, there is Catherine, um, who was the co-founder. She, she and I were the, the thought process behind it. Catherine White, she um, lives here in Pennsylvania. Then there is Ellen Cheneau. Uh, she had an inn in uh, Lenox, Massachusetts, but is now retired and lives in Philadelphia. Uh, Lynette Schofield is in Ithaca. She is also retired from from her inn, which was the Henry William Miller Inn. Uh, uh, let me see. Yvonne is still an active innkeeper, Yvonne Martin, and she is in Danville, Ohio, at the White Oak Inn. Um, beautiful, beautiful spot. Uh, Joy Schulte is also retired from innkeeping. She's our Seattle broad. Uh, Christy Rossett is in Hot Springs. Arkansas, and um, she ha- is also retired, had the Lakeside um, Lookout Point in in Hot Springs. And am I forgetting, Danielle is still an active innkeeper. Um, she's in Chestertown, Maryland at the Brampton Inn. And, and then I'm Debbie, and I'm at Swisswood. So each one eight? of you has... Did I miss <laughs> no, I I was going through the website with you, so <laughs> I think we had, as you were saying their names, I'm like, oh, look how cute she is. Um, yeah, <laughs> so each one of you kind of has the same passion, but maybe a little bit different style. Yeah, a little different focus sometimes. Um, I there's we we all have we all love food, but we 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 do go a little bit in different directions. And naturally, when you get eight people together, they have there's eight different gifts. I mean, there's people. People are very gifted in different directions. Um, Lynette makes us all laugh. Catherine and Christy keep us organized. Um, you know that that kind of thing. So it's re- it's really um, it's really wonderful. And it seems like y'all are now all family. We are family. It's sisters. Yes, we're yeah, we're the sister blog. <laughs> it makes me smile to uh, to hear people that are following their passion, doing what they love, what they love. And when food is involved, I feel like you're you're sharing even more with people. Yeah, food is such a connector to people, and that we find at the inn as well that it is people people talk over breakfast, they visit over food, um, and food's such a great way to you know break down barriers. It's a it's kind of a common common theme, and people um, it's it's just the fun thing. Not a lot to argue about over. No, everybody eats. We can all agree to that. <laughs> Exactly. Now, I, we only have a few minutes left, but I have to ask you a question that I, I ask a lot of the chefs because whenever you're cooking for people, you're, you know, you're focused on the meals and the menus for them. If you were to open the refrigerator, at, you know, and cook something for you, what are you going to find in the refrigerator and what do you want to eat? Oh, in my refrigerator, you would probably find, um, I, I love like a grilled steak, simple, simple and straightforward, but a nice dry aged. My son hunts, so we always have venison in the freezer, and he ages his venison up to 40 days. So that's that's probably one of my favorite meals, um, or something like a, take, take some of that and make a, a, you know, a Zurich schnetzel, which is a, a Swiss dish with that's kind of a ragu with a cream sauce um, with potatoes and some really yummy vegetable. Oh, that sounds delicious. Kind of exactly where I would go. And do you, whenever 
you go on vacation? Like, where do you want to go and what do you want to eat? I want to eat what's ever local. Where do I want to go? Anywhere. Right now, I'm, I, I'm dreaming about Italy. But um, I, it's, um, it's anywhere, would be, anywhere would be great. My son's with the Peace Corps right now in Senegal, and I would love to see the country and see what the, what the, what the food actually is like there, which would be completely different than anything I'd ever, well, I'd ever had. I, I just think the food is so much a part of, of the culture that it's how you, how, you, um, how, you learn to, how you learn about the people is through the food. Absolutely. And if you make it to Senegal, I want to hear all about it because Louisiana cuisine has a lot of influence from Senegal and Gambia. And I would love to know what it's like there. So we'll have to have another show after your trip. (laughs) Another show after that one. Yep. Well, so if you'll just tell everybody one more time how they can find you, where they can get your cookbook and, uh, you know, how they can get to know about you all more. We, um, you can find us at 8broads.com. Um, that's where our blog is housed. There's also an order form there for the cookbook. You can look at both of them on, um, on the website. They're both available at 8broads.com. Eight as in the number eight. As in the number eight. Well, y'all have been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. My guest today was Debbie Moseman with 8 Broads in the Kitchen. Check out their cookbooks. Breakfast and Brunch Recipes and Eight Broads in the Kitchen Desserts. I guarantee you, you'll love them. And I think they'll make a great holiday gift. So uh, so, something uh, worth checking out. Thank you for joining me today, Debbie. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. This was so much fun. You've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.